Um, today I want to talk to you about um, not being afraid as you approach. Actually, it's a bigger message than that, but we'll, we'll address uh, a, a little uh, on the subject of fear. But in Mark, the fourth chapter, I want you to look at these verses with me on the screen, beginning with verse 35. We have the story of Jesus and his disciples um, endeavoring to go to the other side of the lake. And you know the story, a storm arose. Let's just begin reading. It says, In the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Everybody say, The other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith. Now, a lot of great things uh, are revealed to us if we're paying attention and really listening to the Spirit of God from these verses of Scripture. Been a ton of great, great messages preached on many different aspects of Christian living from these very verses that we've just read this morning. But I often think we forget that this is a story about how to get to the other side. We've made it about the storm, rightfully so, where, you know, we all, you know, we, it's a great picture here of how what's out there can get in our boat or in our life as we're just endeavoring to do the will of God. And uh, there are answers, actually, I'm going to bring those out again this morning. There are actually three revelations in these verses that we read about how to get to the other side. But my first point is, is that this is really a story about how to get to the other side of anything that God has begun on the inside of us. Because this, this uh, journey across the lake was uh, instituted, was uh, started by, initiated by, there's the word, by Jesus. He said, let us go to the other side. Can I say to you this morning, it's God's will that we complete what God starts in us. Amen. He wants us to complete 2017 strong as he revealed it to us. We don't have a lot more time to do that. He wants to start something new because just as Cindy said earlier, every ending is a brand new beginning of some kind. And so we have a, the beginning of a brand new year, 2018, and God is already initiating some things personally in each and every one of you, and he's initiating something in us corporately as Believer Center of Albuquerque, one, one, one small part of what he's doing in our city, but he's initiating something on the inside of us that he plans to complete in us for 2018. He wants what he starts in us. He wants us to get to the other side. And this is really a story about principles from God, revelations from God that help every single one of us get to wherever it is God has sent us or commissioned us to go. God has, I don't even need to say this today, if you're in a marriage today, God wants that marriage to grow. And he started some things in that marriage he's not finished yet. He wants to help you even when storms come. He wants to help you know how to finish that thing out. After all, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning 
and he is the ending as well. There's a promise that says, what I have begun in you, I will also complete on the inside of you. We're all works in progress. So don't let the devil beat you up and don't let anybody else beat you up for that matter. Don't let all that accusation weigh on you. Don't, don't leave this year just thinking about the regrets that have come to you or come to your door or come to your thinking. Think on these things. What sort of things are good? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Learn from your mistakes, but don't get stuck in them. Because you'll just repeat them again and again and again. Your life will become one great big apology. And God didn't raise us up to just be constantly apologizing for missing the mark. We do miss the mark. Thank God for his mercies that were new this morning. And grace comes along to help us uh, overcome those things. But still, you know, we, we, we're not where we want to be yet, someone said, but we ha we're not where we were. We have grown some. And we're not looking for perfection. That's going to happen when you see Jesus face to face. But we are a work in progress and we are looking to grow. Can I have a good amen? I don't want to be the same at the end of 2018. You know, I want to be, I want to grow. I want to go from one glory to the next glory to the next glory. I want Jesus to change my life and I invite him into to my life to do just that. Amen. But these disciples got into this situation with Jesus. Again, Jesus said, he started this. He said, let's go. He, he said, we're going to do this. Let's all go. Let's go to the other side. All right. And he didn't tell them about anything else that would happen along the way. The issue was getting to the other side. Now, the storm came. And apparently this was a great storm, just like the Bible said. They got to remember that, that these disciples with Jesus were skilled men. They knew how to handle storms. They had done it more than once. But they found themselves in this situation in a storm where the boat was being filled up and they didn't know what else to do. They, these skilled men, these mature fishermen, these men who knew how to navigate waters were at the end of themselves. And on top of that, they looked to the one who might help them, and he was asleep in the back part of the boat. Are you serious? How did, I want to ask Jesus, how did you do that? Because I hear bump in the night and I'm up. How did you do that, Jesus? I have some ideas. But this is all, all that's happening is just a first for everybody in the boat except Jesus. All right. And so the disciples, now there are three important questions that we need to note here this morning. And the answers to all three of these are very, very key. Again, great revelations to getting to the other side of 2017 and then 2018, all right? And the first one, the disciples asked. The other two, Jesus asked. The first question the disciples asked is, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Don't you care that we perish? Now, I'm a little surprised that they could even think of a question to ask while they're trying to keep that boat afloat. But in fact, I'm, I'm just amazed that there's any conversation in the boat whatsoever but apparently there was quite a bit that took place between Jesus and his disciples before Jesus woke up got to the front of the boat and spoke the peace that was on him over the winds and over the water 
Now, I'm going to say this to you. It's going to surprise some of you because you're going to say, I'm not Jesus. No, none of us are Jesus. We're not Jesus on our best day. We're not God on our best day. But these revelations will help you in the storms of your life, including the big one, where you've done everything you know to do and you're still going down unless something changes. That's why this is in the Word. I believe this is one of the reasons it's in the Word. It's something to help all of us who are in the storms of life. And the storms are now in our boat. The results of those storms are in our boat. We've done our best and still we're sinking. There's still a teaching time or learning time even when things are really, really, really rough. And so they're asking Jesus this question, you know, don't you even care that we perish? Now it's interesting to me that Jesus answers his question or their question with other questions. Now, wait, if you read your Bible, and I know you do, you realize that Jesus does this more than once. He seemed to do it often. People came to him one day. They were trying to trick him, and, and they said, you know, is it lawful to give Caesar tribute? And Jesus just said, bring me a coin, and he, he answered their question with a question first. He said to them, well, whose image is on the coin? When, 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 uh, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you know, Jesus, God was after them, following after them, and he asked Adam and Eve a question. How many of you know when God asks us a question, it's not for information, for him? He does this because he wants us to discover something deep that's not quite evident out here. He wants us to do some discovery. He wants self-discovery to take place. He wants a revelation to come to, to us because that's where the change really happens. The change in you doesn't happen when your circumstances around you happen. Now, let me say it again, because all too many of us are trying to read the circumstances. Listen to me. The circumstances don't change you. What happens on the inside of you when you respond to God in those circumstances are the things that transform your thinking, transform your believing, transform your way of life. That storm being stopped by Jesus, their lives were saved, but that didn't change them. The answer to the question that they ask, I'm going to show you this, is what began to change them. Amen. So God help us with our questions. Jesus, don't you even care that we perish? And Jesus answers that with two more questions. He says, why are you afraid? Duh. You know, again, they must have, I don't know what they felt. I won't presume I know what they felt, but that was, that seems hard. It seems harsh. We're dying. We're going down. We can't keep up with what's happening to us. Any of you ever felt that way in your life? All this stuff is just clouding up around us. It's raining. It's, it's not going to stop raining. By the way, we need to pray for rain. Albuquerque. Amen. But all this is happening, and Jesus responds to a question they have about his care with a question about, well, why are you afraid? And then right on top of that, another question, you know, why, why, how is it that you have no faith? They didn't even have a little faith. They had no faith. And Jesus asked them those two questions. And again, if you know anything about how Jesus interacted with his disciples, you know he wasn't being mean. Jesus is not mean. Jesus is not cruel. He doesn't just get in somebody's face. He doesn't try to prove a point. He doesn't just try to win an argument. He's always trying to help someone. And we may not always understand the means of help, but it's just his nature to love and care and to help. And even in this, he's trying to help. Now, here's what you need to look for in this. With those two, two questions, he's actually leading his disciples to answer their own question. 
Because if they can answer the question why they're afraid, and if they can answer the question why they have no faith, then they can answer their own question to Jesus, do you care? How does it work? Let me just, really, it's simple, all right? Because we know that perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that right? That's how fear is expelled. It's by experiencing, not just knowing in our head, but experiencing perfect love. Well, where does perfect love come from? It doesn't come from your boyfriend. It doesn't come from your girlfriend. It doesn't come from your husband. It doesn't come from your It's not coming from your boss. Not yet anyway. Unless they're being moved by Jesus. Isn't that right? Because perfect love has only one source, and that's Jesus. Isn't that right? Or God. God is love. Look at this verse with me. It's an amazing verse from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors, expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. King James Bible just again says perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment with it. You know, also kind of brings some insight into something else the disciples might have been thinking in that storm. Maybe God is doing this. Maybe God is punishing us. You know, if the storm's not bad enough to think that, again, God is actually bringing it to them, would just terrorize anyone who is looking or hoping for help from God. You follow? So, again, let me ask you the question, how does fear, how do we expel fear in our own life we have to experience we have to be reminded of we have to, maybe we have to have it revealed for the first time we have to have the experience of perfect love in our life you know the same is true about faith we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god romans 10 17 but galatians also says that faith actually is energized by love so if a, so if a revelation and an experience of God's love is missing from our life, we're going to be both afraid and faithless. Now let's go back to the first question. Don't you care? See, Jesus was not being mean. He wasn't just trying to teach them in that moment a heavy revelation about fear or about faith, either one. He was trying to lead them to what would answer those other questions or solve those other issues in their life. And it centered on that first question that they ask. And if they were going to think about it at all, they would come to the conclusion, oh my God, he does care. He really does love us. Amen. And because he loves us deeply and he cares for us deeply, then I don't have to be afraid. Amen. And I don't have to be without faith. I can trust him knowing that he loves me. Does that make sense to you at all? We can look at it this way. That the three, three revelations that come from this story is first providence. I don't know if you know that one of the ways that providence, the word providence is uh, defined is care. The scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 
casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Look at this same verse in the Message Bible. I love this. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Now that's not, again, most of us in this room today are experiencing fear, if we're experiencing fear, if we're tormented by fear, especially because we don't get this yet. We don't get 1 Peter 5, 7. We don't get, our, we're asking the same question, the disciples' question. God, why is all this happening? You must not care. All right? And God wants us to know that he cares and that he cares deeply. Amen. Providence is key to you and I getting to the other side, knowing that God cares for us deeply. His eyes are on us. He is watching over us. He's even in the boat with us, which is the second revelation, is the presence of God. Amen. To get to the other side, you and I have got to always remember the providence of God that He cares. He is in the boat with us. Come on, help me, church. He's in the boat with you today. Whatever it is you're up against. Bailing out the water. you got to know He's right there with you. And actually, what you really need is the peace that's on the inside of Him. But you got to get Him. You can't get peace without Him. Amen. But you've got to know His providence. We have to know His providence for our lives and for the life of the church. God has given us His wonderful powerful beautiful oversight amen providence doesn't mean that god controls everything that happens all right sovereignty doesn't even mean that sovereign is who god is the position god holds sovereignty is the position god it describes the position god holds providence is the way he is toward a people in the earth and he is he's given his oversight amen and so he wants us to know he cares. The second thing he wants us to know is his presence. Again, because he's right there. How many of you remember the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples as he was preparing to leave to go to heaven? He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Some of the disciples must have been going, well, you're, you're about to leave us. What's going on? Of course, he... He was talking about the Spirit. The Spirit of God would come. Jesus would be raised from the dead. He would take his, his place at the right hand of the Father, but he would send the Holy Spirit in his place. Can I say to you today, there's never a moment you're without the presence of God in your life. You may not feel it. You may not remember it at the time you're going, especially going through something, but Jesus is committed to you. He's given you oversight. He's even with you there. You can count on him being there. I mean, it was a glorious thing, even though it troubled the disciples that Jesus was asleep while a lot of this was going on. It would have really troubled them if they looked at the back of the ship and he was gone. Wouldn't you agree with me? Okay, where'd you go? He bailed on us. But he was right there. Amen. And the third revelation, we close with this this morning, the third revelation, the first one is providence, the second one is presence and the third one is promise again it was jesus who said let us go to the other side and you and i can't have any confidence on any journey if we if we if we don't have the confidence that jesus has begun that thing amen you and i can't 
can't have the peace of God ruling our hearts and minds if we're out on our own and just doing our own deal and our own thing. Even if we say God told us to, you know, God has to have really said to you this or that, commanded you this way or promised you in this thing. If we have his word on something, um, uh, my goodness, we just, we have gold. His word is always as good as gold. We, we would say we could take his word to the bank. We know whatever God says, he is watching over it to perform it. And if the disciples had just grasped these three revelations, even in the midst of the storm, they would have found the peace that was in Jesus Christ. And they would have had the strength and the confidence and whatever else they needed to get to the other, other side. Because it was all right there with them. Promise was with them. Amen. The one who made the promise was with them. He was present, praise God. And they did have his care, praise God. God has so loved us. He has given himself the greatest gift to us. And that will carry us on any endeavor that is begun by God. And it will take us through whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever fire, whatever flood, come on, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever devil torment, it will take us through whatever we have to go through to the other side. And God wants you to get to the other side. Fear does nothing but activate the very thing you're afraid of. It actually gives, gives that thing you're afraid of, it gives that thing your authority and your power in that situation. You're actually giving up something by being afraid. And that's why God was real quick to just command people. He didn't suggest people to fear not. He said, don't be afraid. It was a command because he knew that if they didn't get out from under the fear that it was going to take them out and it was going to take them down, they would end up perishing. The disciples were in that situation. They would have ended up perishing if they didn't get, Jesus didn't get the fear out of them. So he went right after the fear that was on the inside of them. And again, perfect love does that. We think circumstances that change again will do it no you got to have more than that because your circumstances my circumstances could change right now and we could still go home with fear in our boat fear in our heart you know and i just believe god wants us to live in this new year one of the things i just i just shouted out to you is god's going to teach us how to live carefree in 2018 god's going to teach us how to live a fearless life in 2018 and some of you already said well that's impossible I'm glad you said that because whatever's impossible with men is still possible with God amen fear does horrible things to us it does horrible things to us you know to get you sitting back on your skis and anybody who, who's a guy I don't ski anymore I used to ski I just don't have the knees to ski anymore and so I don't ski anymore and I call that wisdom amen <laughs> But there's a time where I was a pretty good skier, and, and I was just learning how to ski, but I, always in the beginning, I was sitting back on my skis, and you can't sit back on your skis. You can't get weight back on your skis and go where you want to go. It doesn't matter 
how loud you scream. It doesn't matter where you point. It doesn't matter how you talk to yourself or cry out to other people for help if you don't get your weight in the right place so those edges on those skis can carve you a path. You're going to fall backwards again and again and again and again and again. And fear will do that to you. Fear will keep you off balance. My pastor said this one time. I'll wrap this up. But my pastor said this to me. He, he told me. And, and those of you who know Pastor Charles Neiman may not even know this about him. But one of his greatest battles in life was fear. When you look at him now, he just seems so confident. You know, when he's speaking, it just seems like nothing would ever shake him or move him. People even referred to him as the Clint Eastwood of the church. Just, that's just his the way, you know. We know him to be very loving and passionate, and we know him to have been a victor over fear. And uh, he, he taught this in a series on fear. I remember it so clear. It's back in the 70s, late 70s, he taught this. He said, fear will attract de- demonic activity, the, you know, the way that blood in the water attracts sharks. He just, he, and when he said that, it just re- resonated with me. And I really thought, you know what? I, then I don't want to be afraid. I want to fight fear. And one way we fight fear, again, or the way we fight fear, is just knowing that God cares for us. Knowing his providence. We know he loves us. He's made a promise to us. Amen. And the same is true if we're at a place where we're just back and forth, where faith is concerned. Remember, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said something, he's going to do it. Now, what has he said to you in 2017? Don't turn loose of it. What's he saying to you about 2018? Don't you turn loose of it. In fact, begin to meditate on it right now. Embrace it. Hold it. Watch what God can do when you and I believe his word. And when we put the spirit of fear behind us, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Say it out loud. I will not be afraid of what men can do to me or what devils can do to me. I will live by the power of God and the revelation of His love and the experience of His love. I will live a fearless life. In Jesus' name. Amen.